Chris Ategeka, and welcome to Unintended Consequences of Technologies, the podcast. On the show today, confronting false information and systematic manipulation. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is taking time to self-educate and allow to be inspired by the world around you. You can do this through reading books or access to an endless stream of information from reliable online sources. Today, we see the truth being bombarded with misinformation on a systematic level. There is reality shows that do not depict the real reality. Lots of internet bots and alternate facts, making it really hard for you and I to know what's true and what's not. This is a massive problem that does not have a single solution. Before 2016, when it came to light that information manipulation is a global problem, it was mostly minority groups who were victims of this media content produced, and which is sometimes discriminatory, manipulative, in some cases absolutely false. More important than ever before, we must confront false information and systematic manipulation. Our guest today is doing his part in that field. Tony Weaver Jr. is the founder and CEO of Weird Enough Productions, a new media production company dedicated to creating positive media images of black men and other minority groups. They create programming with a focus on diversity while directly combating media misrepresentation. Weird enough efforts combine artistry and activism to revolutionize the media industry with content that's not normal, but just weird enough. He is the 2018 Forbes 30 Under 30 he is also the youngest Black Male Achievement Echoing Green Fellow in history. And if that's not enough, he's also an award-winning comic writer and a filmmaker. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tony to the show. Tony, welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here and have the opportunity to talk with you today. Wonderful. I'm excited as well. So let's get straight to it. Uh, who is Tony? Tony is a weird kid, I guess, if, if I had to uh, explain it really briefly. Um, I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, went to college in, uh, at Elon University in North Carolina, and uh, now I'm in Washington, D.C. Wow, that's, uh, that's uh, a move around, chasing the dream. Yeah, move, moving, moving around a lot, but I've, I've had a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, so our topic today is false information and systematic manipulation. And uh, you have been on the front lines of really doing something about it, especially among communities uh, of color and, and other minority groups. Tell our listeners, what are you working on? So if I had to explain my work in one sentence, I'd say that I'm dedicated to combating media misrepresentation. And uh, I do that through original content production and media literacy education. So 
media misrepresentation is something that happens when false images or ideas about uh, minority groups are perpetuated through mass media and uh, those representations result in real life mistreatment of those groups. So media misrepresentation has been linked to people of color receiving harsher sentencing from judges, less attention from doctors, and a higher likelihood of being shot by police. Um, it's also been linked to increases in violence against women, members of the LGBTQ community, and people of Islamic faith. Uh, overall, media stereotypes uh, have the potential to do some major damage, and that's because we live in a media-inundated society. The average American engages with media content over 10 hours a day. So they're be wow. constantly being bombarded with information. And this information isn't always information that's good for you. Uh, so we go about combating that in two ways. The first is that uh, I create content. So uh, whether that's me writing a comic or producing a short film or something of that nature, or along with my team, we create uh, what what we consider is really groundbreaking content that features diverse viewpoints and diverse characters. And then in addition mm -hmm. to that, we we take all of our content and we provide common core aligned lesson plans around it so that teachers in schools across the country can use our content uh, kind of as a foundational point to talk about media literacy and understanding media with their students. Wow, that's uh, that's some noble work. Um you guys are working on uh just taking me a little back on um you know are there some uh interesting statistics or, or stories or anecdotes of of like the problem and 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 the thing that you guys are trying to 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 fight oh uh, well the story that i always tell is that uh when i was in college i mentored a african-american fourth grade student and when I asked him what he wanted to dress as for Halloween, he told me that he couldn't be his favorite superhero because he didn't look like him. So he was going to dress as a, a character from Grand Theft Auto because mm. when he had to think of a character that looked like him, the first uh, thing that came into his mind was a criminal, a felon, someone that ran away from police and, and committed crimes. And for a lot of people that uh that that's a reality when when we especially minorities when we look to ourselves in media generally what we find is not of uh, the most um it's not the most appeasing thing and um that's definitely something that's changing uh, I, w I would say in, uh, definitely due to some of the work that we're doing, but also a lot of people are starting to recognize how important media diversity is. Black Panthers breaking records all over the place. And that's really good. Um, however, yes. I think that we have to make sure that we don't let uh, one major success distract us from the battle at hand. Uh, there, there's still a lot more work to be done. Right, right. Um, yeah, Black Panther. <laughs> I watched it. It's It's been amazing. Uh, and I tell my friends to go watch it. it it's it's a uh, it's a piece of art for sure. Um, so was this obvious to you, or did you just stumble upon the solution, or did, how did you get here? I think that it was obvious to me, but not in the way that it is now. In that I always thought that it was a problem, but I didn't know how well documented of a problem it was. Um, I remember that uh, when a lot of the unrest was happening in Ferguson, I was speaking with one of my academic advisors, who's now actually on our board. And she, uh, I was having a conversation with her and I said, you know, I feel like situations like this are highly motivated by the way black people are generally shown on television. And I don't have any data to back that, but I feel that these stereotypes 
are contributing to people being treated negatively. And um, my academic advisor looks at me and she goes, you know, there's a whole branch of social science dedicated to that, right? I actually wrote a book on it. And it was at that moment that I thought to myself, wait, what? There's an entire... There's an entire uh, category of social science dedicated to this problem that is definitely prevalent today, and we're just not talking about it. Um, so I knew that it was a problem, but once I realized that there was a larger academic basis for it, that's what really got me started in it. So when you got started, uh, take us through like at the get go, like how like there's so many people with great ideas or would love to do something like this, and and. Uh... Uh, fight a problem like this in their community, but they really don't know how to get started. Um, so how how did you get started? Take us through that part. Uh, for me, getting started was something that was a slow and steady process because for the longest time, I was afraid to kind of do something on my own. My thought was always, uh, well, I can be a part of a team or I can contribute to something, but I really can't do this alone. I need someone else's assistance because I had never written anything before. Like I had written poetry and I had written short form things, but I'd never written a script before. And in addition to that, I definitely never directed anything or produced anything before. And my thought process was, well, if I can find someone that's directed stuff and someone that's produce things and maybe someone to help go over the script with me, then I can come up with something that's at least halfway decent. But um, every place where I went for support to, to get people to work on the project with me, I couldn't find people to work on the project with me. So it was there that I decided either I'm going to do it alone or it's not going to happen. And that's what right. uh, that's what encouraged me to say, OK, I have to do this myself. Wow. That's that's inspiring for sure. Uh, and, and what are kind of the hurdles you've come across, either personally or professionally, along the way? I think that I've come across a few hurdles in that uh, funding is always difficult to find for media companies. Something about Weird Enough, if I had to describe us, I'd say that we are the... We're the we're the 21st century equivalent of a media company. A lot of media uh, media companies are very expensive to run and to create something that is completely content driven when you haven't built an audience yet can be impossible. And a lot of organizations and a lot of people fail from the offset because that's what they aim for. Um, so for us, developing a sustainable business model was something that was a struggle in the beginning. But I'm grateful that we had that struggle because it was in looking at that business model and really coming face to face with the fact that in order for us to accomplish what we want to accomplish, traditional uh, business models that are adopted by media companies aren't going to work for us. So we need to create something new. And that was um, that that was something that was big for me. Uh, another hurdle that I that I had is that uh, we always had this problem of trying to explain to people why what we were doing was important. Um Media misrepresentation is something that I'm really passionate about, but I think that in the beginning, I took for granted how many people would hear the problem that we were fighting and immediately be on my side. Uh, we spent a lot of time just having an uphill battle, just trying to get people to understand why what we were doing was important. And the lesson that I learned from that was that it, I would rather spend more time finding the people that are already on my team than trying to convert people to my team. 
So what are the misconceptions about media uh, misrepresentation or just your work in general? I think that there are a lot of misconceptions in the media literacy space right now in that people attempt to create this dichotomy of good media and bad media, but uh, it's, it's all, it's, it should be more nuanced than that. Um, for a lot of people, when we have conversations about fake news or when we have conversations about stereotypes, the solution that they want is, well, give me the one source that I can go to that's always going to be right and always going to be truthful, and I'll just go to that source always. So give me that one source. Give me that one, and I'll make sure that I follow that one. But that's not how this works. Um, right. It requires a little bit more nuance than that. And sometimes even the places that are reliable 90% of the time get things fundamentally wrong. And it's about us as people being vigilant enough to catch that and, and know what to do in that circumstance. Right. So, so along those lines, uh, there are so, so many people right now who are really confused, especially after the, you know, what happened in 2016 uh, you know, when it came really, really obvious that uh, media manipulation is a real thing and it can have major, major impact on, on, on humans. Like, uh, so along those lines, um, what would you tell someone who is, uh, who is confused and, and, and yes, is looking for that magic wand and, you know, one place they can go and get true information? The thing that we usually teach students that works really well is that for every piece of media that you engage with, you should ask yourself three questions. Who made it? What do they want from me? And is it good for me? Most, mm. most pieces of unreliable media don't make it past the first question. Who made it? So if I look at an article and there's an article telling me about the health benefits of Brussels sprouts and the person that made it is a person that sells Brussels sprouts... You're going to be a little skeptical of that, right? There, there's going to there's gonna be a little something that ticks off in your head that goes, hmm, I don't know. Um, next, what do they want from me? So uh, understanding that media overall, as I mentioned earlier, media companies are difficult to make money for and media is expensive to make. So no one's making media for no reason. They're not making it to be your friend. Um, they're making it with a specific intent in mind. And a lot of time that intent is to advertise something to you or to get you to buy something. So understanding what they want from you puts you one step ahead where you can identify if someone's trying to manipulate you or not. And then finally, is it good for me? A lot of people accept what they're given, no matter what that is. But by asking, is it good for me? We kind of have the opportunity to say, um, is this something that I legitimately want? Is this something that's beneficial for me? And from there, you have the opportunity to distance yourself from it. Yeah, and, and, and the biggest challenge there is the idea that we live in this 140 characters, instant gratification era uh, where you just don't have or take the time to actually ask those three questions. Uh, and people just consume information as it comes to them and without even checking and, and, and see where we are. Um, yeah, so I have to ask you the, the, the larger beast, and, and that is um, the, the, the fake news and, and the manipulation that is here. Um, it, it, it's a problem. Everybody knows it's here. But are you optimistic? Are you like, where do we go from here? 
Um, I, I'm very optimistic. I think the reason that I'm optimistic is because I believe in people. Um, I really think that people are capable of some amazing things. I, I think that people are capable of fighting very large issues. So I'm confident that the media landscape as we know it is about to change. I think that the events of the last few years have really been that final straw that are going to that are going to cause the media landscape that we know to shift into something completely different. And the thing that's important to do is to make sure that everyone is paying attention and doing their part to hold people accountable. And whether that's uh, making sure that you're watching things that are supportive, uh, making sure that you're not buying things from people that are peddling lies and things of that nature. But I, I think that we have the ability to shift the media landscape for the better we just have to take responsibility of that and act accordingly. Do you have any recommendations or places or links or, um, you know, a place where an individual who just received a piece of, of information or news and they want to double check and make sure it's, it's true? Um, I tend to like Snopes.com, S-N-O-P-E-S.com. But mm. I kind of stray away from trying to from from recommending one place as a resource because in a lot of cases, the places where we find reliable information are just one profit incentive away from being a place where we don't find reliable information. Mm. But Snopes is generally pretty good. They've been around for a while, and I I would definitely say that they're an outlet that I trust. Let our audience know. Uh, how can they find you, find the work that you're working on? Definitely. So I'm on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Tony Weaver Jr. And uh, on Instagram, uh, my organization is Weird Enough Productions. Fantastic. And ladies and gentlemen, that has been Tony Weaver Jr. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you.